Hey everyone, this is Jackson, and you're listening to Scripture In, Scripture Out, where we strive to have meaningful biblical conversations to promote better conversations and relationships in the body of Christ. So for those of you who love to talk, sit back and take notes from the pros, and from those of you who love to listen, there's plenty of material to sift through. Today we'll be discussing the book of Galatians with Jordan Dancer and Jason Westbrooks. Jordan has his own podcast, 15 Minutes and a Big Idea. Be sure to check that out wherever you listen to podcasts, where he has covered the book of Galatians in great detail with a scalpel, if you will. Whereas Jason, who is an elder at the Amarillo Church of Christ, has covered Galatians in a series of sermons geared towards his own flock. So. While both men have approached the book differently, we'll be discussing the book of Galatians at length and in depth for your benefit. So, we thank you for tuning in, and we hope that today's conversation will be a blessing to you. Hold a verse at normal speaking volume just for me. Do something normal. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. Oh, this is good. You too. Uh, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family on heaven and earth is named. Yeah, those levels are looking good. Great. Is that what you're studying from right now in Ephesians? Um, yeah, I'm, uh, oh. I just actually finished that. Yeah, I've been listening to your stuff. Oh, thanks. I've been, but you're you're behind me, so fuck man. I'm Hurry learning, up. I'm, I'm learning all this stuff from Jordan, but it's too late. Oh, whatever. I'm listening to your stuff to compare. So I was actually, I just actually listened to your Galatians stuff on the way out here. Oh, uh, I really enjoyed it, by the way. Thanks. But that's the beauty of yours. You can actually listen to it in between Oklahoma City and Plainview. Right. Ryan is, right. I think you need to drive to like say, well, I, I thought that was going to be the interesting thing about because you went into such detail and mine was more of a overview. So I thought it'd be nice to have those kind of two different perspectives. Yeah. No, I know. I'd love to talk about that too as we get into. You know, just right. two different approaches, dude. I love it. I love it. So, How far? So you're in. You're in. What chapter are you in? I'm halfway through. I just finished chapter three. Okay. And you're Jordan. Where are you at? Uh, I'm at the end of Ephesians one. I did seven <laughs> sermons in the first three chapters, and I could have easily done fourteen sermons. I mean, it's oh yeah, I've got easily. I, I've got sixty episodes for Ephesians. Yeah. And I'm not. And like when you get into chapter five, where there's all the lists and stuff like that, that's just yeah. I'm not doing those. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. The first three chapters are where all the theology is. It's just dense. Man. Yeah, it's rich, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about Ephesians instead. Yeah, let's just do that. (laughs) Forget Galatians. Like, just throw out the roadmap. Do do that. So, is is Ephesians, would you say it's more theological than Galatians? Less or just different? Okay. It's more theological. Galatians and Colossians are are pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, And I think probably, uh, not Galatians, Ephesians Ephesians, and Colossians are, are pretty similar. Yeah. Um, a lot of similar themes, but I would say that Ephesians is probably a little deeper in theology than Colossians is. Yeah. Not not a lot, yeah. but a little. But it's also yeah. like more understandable too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like it's more, on my reading, it's more like a general epistle, yeah. whereas Colossians is definitely like contextually located, whereas right. Ephesians is less that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like you're trying to figure out like what's the, what's the audience we're dealing with. It's just, right. just Ephesians. Right. Anyway. Yeah. So I, I kind of Galatians and of course we talked about this last time Galatians and mm-hmm. Romans kind of go yeah. more together I think yeah yeah the Galatians so. is Romans Romans light or as some people say Romans for dummies the abridged which which I don't I don't I, I used to say Romans for dummies but after going through it it's like no it's it's more for like Romans for undergrads it's like it's not <laughs> like Romans is your doctorate 
Galatians is your is your undergrad. Prep. To me, there's more of a sense of urgency with Galatians because yeah. I think they were yeah. they were actually dealing with the issues yeah. of the Judaizers. He, with, he wasted with no time yeah. getting, getting to the issue. Um, we talked about this last time on the failed on the failed podcast, but um, I did I did some research on all the letters that Paul had written to not to individuals but to churches, mm-hmm. and he spends an average of about nine and a half verses with a salutation on on every other greeting to other churches galatians one verse you know it's like let's get into this let's get get to there is a problem but i want to start a new tradition uh with these podcasts the brother cousins podcast ended their last one with a prayer and i really thought that was good so i think we should go ahead and begin and end with one jason would you feel comfortable leading us in a word of prayer sure Father, thank you for the day you've given us an opportunity we have to come together as brothers and to study your word. We thank you so much, Father, that we have the blessing of your revealed word and plan for us and the book of Galatians specifically that we're going to be discussing today. We pray, Father, you would help us to understand it more fully and let it uh, grow in our hearts and have a greater understanding of the gospel and your plan for our lives. Mm. Uh, ask that you would uh, forgive us of our sins in Christ's name. Amen. 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 So, Jason. Yes, sir. Dune or The Last Jedi? We're doing this. Just okay. just go with it. Man. Okay. Just go with it. Dune or The Last Jedi? Dune 2021 or The Last Jedi? Which is a better movie? Which one would you rather sit through? Oh, Dune easily. Okay. All right. Dune or... The Rise of Skywalker. Dune. Okay. I'm just trying to see how far up I can get Dune. Okay. Um, Dune or The Phantom Menace? Phantom Menace. Okay. Didn't go too far. Okay. Dune or The Revenge of the Sith? Revenge of the Sith. Okay. If you're going to hit any movie, other any Star Wars movie other than the sequel trilogy, okay. then I'm going to pick the Star Wars movie. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Dune or The Force Awakens? I want to see where it lands among this one. I'll take the Force Awakens. Really? Okay. How? By how slim of a margin does it does it win? Does it is it a slim margin or is it pretty? No, pretty, it's not really close. Really? Yeah. Oh man. Just because of the nostalgia, it had been so I long gotcha. since we yeah. had a Star Wars. I got gotcha. you. I just I was telling Jordan ahead of time, like, okay, just to 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 make things a little bit more just comfortable for everybody, we're gonna break the ice with some Star Wars Dune <laughs> Dune references. And like when when Jordan got here. The very first thing that we got, to, he saw my Dune books up on the shelf, and he's oh, like, yeah. "Oh, so you like Dune?" And I'm like, "I show him my whole Dune collection." Yeah, he set me down. He's like, "We have to talk." Like, <laughs> he's like, "Okay, I guess no. we're in the, I guess we're doing this. We're, we're doing this. This is happening." Uh, and so I, I proceed to show him all the editions, and like he just happened to show up when more Dune books were coming in. Nice. <laughs> it's like I've become a little bit of a collector. <laughs> it's like I'm a Dune apologist now. And I remember on the last episode. Um, or no, not on the last episode, but in a conversation me and Jason were having, uh, I said that I would make I would make comments about about Dune and, and compare it to Star Wars, and he just very bluntly said, "Well, I don't really care about Dune, so you can do what you want." <laughs> it's like, and and then that 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 solidified something to me. I'm not really secure in my fandom of Dune because if I had said I don't care about Star Wars to Jason, he'd been like, "Well, you're an idiot," and just <laughs> moved on. <laughs> well, here's the thing: I've read the first book in the Dune series. Yeah. Year, year, a few years ago, mm-hmm. listened to the audiobook actually, mm-hmm. um, and I just wasn't that impressed. Yeah, and I really enjoyed the movie that just came out a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, and so. I was surprised that you enjoyed the movie as much as you did. Um, 
considering that you didn't enjoy the book that maybe, much. Maybe it was the visuals. The yeah. visuals were pretty it's gorgeous. Astounding. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's captivating. Yeah, it really is. And Jordan, you saw the movie recently too, didn't you? I did. And you just recently finished the audiobook. Yeah. 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 Let's get to talking about another book that we okay. all recently finished. Well, I mean, not recently, but <laughs> relatively recently. So both of these guys have been studying in Galatians for a good long while. And Jordan actually sent me a list of questions ahead of time that I really liked. I thought they were good, thought-provoking questions. And instead of going by chapter, chapter by chapter, I thought these would be a good format to follow in general with some supplemental questions as we go along. So the first one, the most important idea slash theory of everything behind Galatians I'm going to kick it to you, Jordan, since you had the question first, and you just go ahead and start talking <laughs> I about asked, it. I want to know what Jason thought. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't yeah, have an answer yeah, here. Yeah, I'm turning it right um, back on you. I mean, I think that the most important idea in Galatians is that that Christ is the main thing, um, and that that Christ is the the most important thing that you have to focus on. And so, if you go to go back to the law, like these people were, um, for whatever reason, motivation was behind that. That's insufficient because. It's Jesus or nothing in a lot of ways. I think that's sort of, to me, that's really the idea that frames that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, You know, the series, I titled my series, The Gospel in Galatians, Mm -hmm. because that's really, I mean, that's what Paul is hitting. I mean, the very first chapter, he says, I marvel that you have so soon turned to another gospel, which is not another. Not another. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you can really feel the urgency. You can feel his anger. Yeah. Yeah. at the, at the Judaizers for what they've been, what they've been teaching these people. And, um, I mean, very clearly, you know, throughout the whole book, it's, it's all about come back to the gospel, come back to Christ. Cause yeah. what you're doing is not going to get you there. Mm-hmm. Totally. Why, why on earth would you go back to this stuff that you never even were a part of? It's like, I, l- I love a phrase that you used and we're getting ahead here, but it's just such a good, such a good comment. It's like, Hey, we didn't know what bondage was like mm. in Egypt. We didn't know what that was like to be, under you know under bondage let's go see what that's like just let's just just try it out and nobody stops to think the the ramifications of their actions going back into that and it's like you see that a lot in the world today too that's why galatians is a great parallel to you know because because if you're if you're not really thinking about it you think oh galatians this is a gospel lesson i can check out because i'm i'm good to go I'm, i'm baptized i'm saved life's good but you forget there's a lot of great modern day application because there's times that we go back into captivity all the time and we don't we don't think about the implications of our decision just like they weren't thinking about it. Right. There's just social mm-hmm. pressures. That's another great parallel. Social pressures sure. of the Jews caused that. We suffer the same thing from day to day. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think that that's really like the, the big thing there is that like Jesus is the most important thing mm-hmm. at all times and that that's uh that's the lens that everything gets run through yeah um and that's the first question you have to ask at all mm-hmm. times it does this have to do with jesus yeah or is this another gospel which is not another sure kind of thing you know not to skip to the end of the book or anything but in no. galatians 5 mm-hmm. you know paul he says i say to you that if you accept circumcision christ will be of no advantage, no advantage. to you mm-hmm. yeah. profit you um, nothing you know, obviously that's you've fallen away from grace mm-hmm. um so obviously Clearly, you know, that's what he's trying to get them to remember is without Jesus, none of this becomes possible. Yeah. The way you live, what you think, none, none of it even mm-hmm. matters. Yeah. Without Christ. Exactly. Well, and, and in that idea, it seems like there's this 
this notion that he's trying to, to disavow them of this idea that like you can have both of these things here. And for Paul, it seems like Jesus is the central thing and everything else is, is, is in or out. And it's not like you can say, well, I'll take Christ and I'll take the law as, as sufficient and hold these things as equal value. It's no, you've got to have Jesus as most important and everything comes in under that. Mm -hmm. Um, otherwise Christ won't profit you anything. Yeah. Yeah. And whether or not we're trying to go back to the old law today is irrelevant. That's, that's an admonition that spans eternity that, that, that goes on forever and ever. And I think I like what you said about that verse in Ephesians five, because that's a good segue into the next question. What's the most important verse or passage in Galatians? I'll go ahead and kick it off. Me personally, I, I like, um, having begun in the spirit, do you now seek to be perfected in the flesh? Yes. Start at chapter three. Yes. Start at chapter three. I I like that one. Uh, because to me that conveys an idea that's timeless that, you know, we, we begin in the spirit, but yet we try to perfect ourselves in the flesh. We, we begin in the spirit. We're baptized in Christ. We have that, that guarantee of salvation where our, our salvation is in its infant state. And we're you know, like, when you first came up out of the water, like you felt good. Like mm. every, you slept like a baby that night. I did. I remember, um, the second time too. We'll get into that later. <laughs> but <laughs> man, but I, you brought that up like a second before I was going to. Oh man. Yeah. You're going to be like, which one, which one? That's yeah. a family dig at me. But anyway, back to me, uh, the, Right after that, months, months after that, it's like, what can I do to give me more confidence in my salvation? Because I'm getting back into sins. Yes, I put away that old man, but I'm still struggling. And so now I'm thinking, what can I do less of in sin? What can I do more of in righteousness to make me feel better? So in a way, I'm I'm seeking to be perfected in the flesh, but just very relatable. But Yeah. What do you think, Jason? Uh, so what you're talking about was what I what I like to refer to it as the perpetual nature of the gospel, mm-hmm. because you, you mentioned something briefly earlier about how when we hear about a gospel sermon, we check out because I've obeyed the gospel already. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, it's a misunderstanding that a lot of people have about the gospel, that the gospel is a, they think it's a one and done thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've obeyed the gospel. And therefore now I'm a Christian. God's wiped the slate clean and now I have a second chance. The problem with that idea is yeah. I can't do any better the first time than I did the second time. Yeah, <laughs> that's and good. And so the, the gospel not only saves me initially, but as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, I, I like the way the ESV words it. it. He says, by which you are now being saved, yeah. you know, in which you stand, in which you are being saved. Uh, the gospel doesn't just save us once and that's, that's it and good luck and try again. The gospel continues to save us. Uh, and, and I think that's why he's... That's why this message in Galatians is so urgent is because yeah. that's that's what he needs them to understand. Hey, this wasn't just you began in the spirit. You don't just begin in the spirit and then go back to the flesh and try again. You begin mm-hmm. in the spirit and you continue in the spirit. Yeah. The gospel is what continues to motivate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you I mean, if you think about the other passage, I think about obedience to the gospel, obviously, like it's a, a first Thessalonians chapter four um, where it talks about those who obey not the gospel. But if you notice that obey not the gospel is is present active. It's not past perfect. It's not a completed action. He doesn't say he takes vengeance on those who did not obey the gospel. He says he takes vengeance on those who obey not the gospel, or we might say mm. who are not obeying the gospel. Right. And so I think that just just flows right into what you say with your first Corinthians fifteen and, and so on. I, amen to that. I like that. Yeah. 
so your favorite verse or so your focus verse in Galatians is from Corinthians and yours is from Thessalonians. <laughs> hey, I was just wow. commenting on what we're Man. commenting on what you said. Man. I, I think uh, I'll, I'll rest this one. I think uh, I think Galatians two twenty is the central verse. Yeah, yeah, uh, in in the text. Um, I might die on that hill, uh, but seriously. Um, well, I was answering it most important. I was. I read that question as most important to me. Oh, I was. Sure. I was very narcissistic when I read oh, that that's question. Fine. <laughs> I think Galatians two. I think he's. I think he's outlining and he's he's throwing down. Um, you know, this is what it really is. You guys have got this view about Christ, um, but I'm crucified with Christ, and Christ is the one living in me. It's not about the law. It's not about any of these things. And I think that. Uh, I think that sort of serves as the jumping point off for the start of chapter three and into chapter four. That's that's what I think really runs through. But I would be curious what you think, Jason. What's I really, critical. in in all honesty, agree with that as as the central verse. Um, and it might be like the obvious because it's kind of yeah, the most quotable. Sure. But there's a reason it's the most quotable. Um, you know, I would say also, you know, the way Paul sort of ends up by talking about, you know, he, he kind of makes he kind of comes back to that idea of crucified mm. um, at the end. Uh, far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. by which the world has been crucified to me and not to the world. That's how he ends. You know, that's the very end of chapter six. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I feel like that's what you said is he, he comes to that idea in the center of the letter and that's what the way he wraps it up. And uh, just to, just to show them that like, this is, this is all about uh, what Jesus has done for us. And, sure. and my life now centers on that. And my frame of reference for everything I do and think is based in what Christ has done for me. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. And because it's because it's funny because sometimes the passage that you get that's like the most quoted verse out of out of an epistle, especially is not usually the one that kind of ties it all together. But I really do think Galatians 2 really, really ties a lot of this together. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think about... Um, you know, something I never realized before I really dug into Galatians, that Galatians 2 and 20, it seems to me that, that Paul is continuing what he was saying to Peter at that point. Do you agree with that? Um, okay. So you're saying at the in the middle there, there's in that council, and then he talks about like we who are um, we who are Jews and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is and all this stuff. When he confronts him at Antioch. Yeah. I go either way on that. I. I tend to think that he's elaborating on what he said to Peter. I don't know that he's responding to Peter, but I've got no problem saying that he's responding yeah. to Peter. I just I was curious about that because I can't remember if it was the ESV or whatever Bible I was looking at that had that whole section in quotes, and I thought hmm. it didn't really change the message of of I've been crucified with Christ. But it it would be kind of neat to think that that's what he was telling Peter. Yeah, um, as part of his yeah, it makes that whole showdown like a lot more dramatic too. Right. I hadn't thought of that. That's a nice idea. My most underrated verse slash passage, whatever. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Hmm. I like that one because that in, that to me, it, to me, it introduces or just really helps me understand the idea of how Paul is tying the idea of, of faith all the way back to the beginning of, of the Jews faith. And that to me is I, um, got a brother in Christ who loves to use the terms with Paul that he's intellectually flexing with with a lot of his stuff, like he's using his intellect. And to me, like that's a master class of the Holy Spirit working through Paul and the way that he would construct arguments and how he would go. Because I've often said with with Galatians, if I was trying to 
get on to the Jews, I would have gone to Moses because that's how my mind thinks. I think of Moses, but he went all the way back to Abraham and was able to tie that to faith and then bring the Gentiles in with that same concept of faith. There's a very good reason why he goes to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Uh, and chapter three is is the sort of the epicenter of that mm-hmm. discussion because he's trying to show them that the gospel is not a part of the law. Mm-hmm. The gospel is separate from the law and the gospel is rather the result of the promise that God made to Abraham 430 years before the law was even brought into existence. Mm-hmm. And so what he's telling them is, you know, and the Jews, they put a lot of stock in their descendancy from Abraham. Mm-hmm. You know, they talked about how Abraham was their father and, and what he's telling these Gentiles and by nature, basically shoving it in the face of these Judaizers also is that, well, you, you say you're truly the sons of Abraham, then why are you not accepting the promise that God made to Abraham? Mm-hmm. You're trying to bring in this law, which was designed to put a magnifying glass on your sin, mm-hmm. show you your need for Christ, lead you in the right direction. But it's 430 years after the promise that God made to Abraham. Yeah. So that's to me, to my mind, that's why he goes to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think, um, I, I think that's definitely part of it too. I also think that, um, and this, this is some supposition obviously, but I do think there's a, a good chance that people who were speaking as Judaizers were using Abraham and were misappropriating this passage, right? Because, uh, is that Genesis 12, one and three, right? Like that's like, that's one of the key sections in Genesis, right? Cause you got Genesis one through 11 where you've got creation, uh, and, and the flood and the tower of Babel. And then Genesis 12 is when we really zoom in on the family of Abraham. So Genesis 12, one is about God calling out Abraham and giving this promise and you will all nations of the world be blessed. And so like, this is a really key text for the Old Testament. And so in my mind, how this pieces together is that people are are Jews and they're also Christians and they come to faith in Christ and they're saying, oh, well, God promised he would bless everyone through Abraham. So if you want to be in Abraham's family, that's what it means to be in Christ. And they mm-hmm. make that misidentification slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only half not true, but they, they make that identification. They say, well, if you want to be Abraham's seed, Abraham's descendants are Jews. And so you've got to keep the law and whatever... Um, I think there may be some uh, more uh, sinister motivations behind it, but I think that was the apologetic they developed. And I, so I think Paul's taking that away, I think, is what he's doing. I could be wrong on that. There's I think some- you're right about that. That's something that occurred to me as well, because, I, you know, you see, even with the Pharisees, when they talk to Jesus, how about how much they clung to Abraham and, and what they, they saw themselves as his descendants. And, um, you know, even I think the the idea of circumcision, especially which Paul really dials in on, yeah, uh, in Galatians as, as sort of the the main thing uh, that they were they were trying to push on them. You know, obviously Abraham was circumcised; he circumcised his son on the eighth day. That's you know that that would be very easy for the Judaizers to turn to and say, "Look, the sons of Abraham, this is it. Sure. This is what you got to do." So I think you're right about that. Yeah. Um, so what did you, I think Jackson was talking about his most underrated passage. Mm-hmm. Do you have a passage in here that you think is sort of underrated? Underrated. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I really like, I'll tell you what I really like. I did one whole sermon over the three verses oh, sick. at, um, at the end of chapter three. Oh yeah. As many of you have been baptized into Christ to put on Christ. Yeah, we can look, talk there's about neither that. Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ. If you're Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And, and we like to focus in on, you know, I guess traditionally 
right or wrong. It's the way it is. We, we in the church like to focus on the being baptized into Christ because that's what, what's one of the challenges we face with the nominations. But, but there's so much more than just, you've got to be baptized to be saved here. And one of the things I really, I really honed in on, on that, on that thought was being putting on Christ and the idea of being clothed in Christ and and the implications of that. I really, I really got into that. Mm -hmm. You had a lot of good analogies about that in your lesson about that. Yeah. I stole some of those from other sources. (laughs) Um, Nothing new under the sun, but, uh, um, I hesitate to quote some of those sources at this point, but, uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, but there's some really good ideas about finding our identity, mm-hmm. you know, our clothes sort of identify sure. us. Yeah. Um, especially if you think about somebody's uniform, like a police officer or something yeah. like that. But also you look at a person and the kind of clothes they wear, um, and that can kind of give you some idea of the, the kind of person they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a shirt on right now that says sawdust is man glitter so you can assume that, <laughs> that i like to to make sawdust on occasion um, things like that but also in terms of taking christ with us if we're clothed in christ that means we're yeah. taking him with us that yeah that was a um, good I, I love that because that's that makes you think about what you're doing every day right and where you're taking him with you so. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm there with that. I think this idea about identity and being united with Christ and baptism is is super important for what he's doing. In that, he then he begins to break down these you know these sociological categories of Jew and Greek, slave, free, male, female. And I think um, I don't think it's without with like outside the bounds of this intent to to pull that to old, young, you know, whatever racial, socio ethical, or sorry, socio ethnic or socioeconomic lines you want to draw. Right. Mm-hmm. I think this pulls it down. Um, and I think the central thing there is like Jesus and his death is the most important thing about you at all times. Um, and, and that's, and that's good news for a lot of reasons, but that's always the thing you carry with you. It's not your, your prowess in your business. It's not your, this, it's not your, that it's always about Christ. I think that's super important. And, you know, and I think the message of him bringing in all those different social classes and things like that, it, the message isn't that those differences don't exist anymore. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't exist. It's that they do exist. But regardless of our differences, we have the thing in common that matters most. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and, I really, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just, that's kind of where I was going to end up. The, the, the playing field, you know, is, is, is level when it comes to uh, being together in the gospel, being together in the yeah. church. Well, I just loved how you brought in, you know, various brothers and sisters who are in different cultural environments and, um, like that's a good thing yeah. <laughs> and that's cool. And he's not calling for like the destruction of, of social categories and social norms to where we're all just homogenous. Um, cause what usually happens there is whoever's most influential, it's their culture that takes over, right? Like that's yeah. how, how it goes. Exactly. Um, and, and so he's not calling for that destruction, but he's just saying that's not the most important thing here. Right. And so those things are, um, you know, can be celebrated. But it's in the right proportion. It's with the mi- right mindset. Exactly. Yeah. It's really. I thought that was really good. Really enjoyed hearing that from you. Yeah, for sure. Jordan, is that your? Did you already have a most underrated passage that you were wanting to touch on? Underrated passage is, uh, I think, Galatians five fifteen, about how um, if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Mm. Um, that's been a really powerful idea to me, of. Um, places and maybe churches where people um, have a lot of strife and don't 
love each other as themselves and they're just biting and devouring and there's all this strife and animosity and just this image of beware lest you be consumed by one another mm-hmm. like you're literally eating yourself alive in some sense that like just the grotesqueness of that picture was really really incredible to me mm-hmm. um yeah that's like if christ is not your clothing that's guaranteed to happen a lot of times yeah because you're sowing division by identifying as something other than christ sure not even right. knowing it it's just it's just occurring it's like and that's a that's a modern day problem too i mean let's just call it what it is republican democrat tech fan texas dune star wars <laughs> really i mean and petty petty things like right. not that you know like yeah movies are petty but man anything that's not christ is petty can be yeah. yeah you know another one it's come uh, comes right before the verse that jordan just quoted verse 13 for you were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh yeah. through love you know serve one another and i feel that's that's almost like what paul says in romans when he says shall we continue in sin that grace may abound mm-hmm. you know you have freedom in christ but let's not use that freedom Number one is, is an opportunity to say, well, grace will cover it. I can just yeah. keep on sinning. But he's, he's, as Jordan was saying, he's in there about our relationships with one another. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbors yourself. It's about how we treat each other. Understanding our freedom in Christ is the freedom that we all enjoy. And uh, it should bring us closer together, not divide us. Exactly. Sure. Well, and I think, too, there's this level, because he quotes the law there. Um, and it's like, if you, if you need to keep a law, like keep this one, this would be a good one to do. Right. And because like, I think these people were saying, oh, you have to keep the law. Oh, you have to keep the law. But then meanwhile, they were ignoring all the things in the law about kindness and about love and about mm-hmm. caring for one another. And then in, in, a in Galatians six thirteen, he talks about for even, for not even those who are circumcised, keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. And so like, it seems like, um, they're they're just using the law as a means to get what they want from the beginning and so there's a lesson here i think that that should be challenging that we've got to be careful that we don't mask um our our fleshly desires for control and having our way as religiosity Hmm. like i think that's a big judgment for me here where we can we can be intelligent and we can know the Bible to where we can string together some arguments that are really clever and can convince people, but really we're just serving ourselves. Right. Yeah. I think that's a, a major conviction for me. That's a great point. Yeah. I, Cause it's, it's not like, I mean like how hard is it to string that argument together that we ran early about? Well, Genesis 12 says you have to, that God's going to bless the world through Abraham. And if you're going to be a child of Abraham, that means you're a Jew. And if you're a Jew, that means you have to keep the law. Like that is, that kind of makes sense it if does. you sit and think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously it's wrong. And so it just like causes me to step back and think about the places where um, my selfishness has caused me to to do that sort of thing. Anyway, sorry, I'm probably rambling no, a bit there. What you're saying makes complete sense because, you know, when you look at all the letters of the New Testament, and maybe not in every single one, but a good majority of the New Testament, what was the central issue? That the church was dealing with mm-hmm. it's that divide between jew and gentile sure that's that's the driving tension I mean, yeah it's, it's in ephesians it's in galatians it's in romans it's all over the place and you know i think that it was really and we have to put ourselves in the position of those jews i think because even peter in in galatians 2 you know even peter this great apostle mm-hmm. um who was inspired by the holy spirit knew the 
the full revelation of the gospel, the word of God. Even he's here. He's there in Antioch. He's eating bacon and catfish with, <laughs> with the Gentiles. He's probably got shrimp on top. And then too. here comes yeah. James and all these other guys. And he's like, oh, wait, I better separate myself. You know, even yeah. he had a hard time with that. Even so, Barnabas gets caught up in it. Even Barnabas. The, yeah. Man. The, you hardly hear a negative word about Barnabas. In all Nobody's safe from that. So, you know, I look yeah. at it as that that was the central issue. And you know, so these Judaizers, what was their what was their motivating factor? Yeah. What do you think we, that was? I think it's we were God's special people. Mm-hmm. We were his chosen people. And now you're saying we're not. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't like that. Yeah. I I think there's a, a cult, like an identity thing that gets tied up in that. Um, have you heard of this thesis about like the like the Christians getting grandfathered in. Have you heard this before? So it was early. Okay. So I, I've heard this idea and I find it somewhat convincing. I think you're totally right for the record on, on this too, but I think it could be both. Um, The scholar advanced the idea that essentially the, the Jews had certain provisions in their worship where they didn't have to offer a sacrifice to Caesar like other religions had to, they were able to offer a sacrifice on behalf of Caesar. And so the Romans were like, okay, the Jews are kind of funky, but they're kind of standing in line, so it's okay. And so early Christians, they're Jewish culturally, and so they kind of get grandfathered in on this. But now all of a sudden, you've got these Christians who are not really Jews and are not following that stuff. And so the Romans are starting to get suspicious a little bit here about like, okay, what's going on with this group to where he was proposing that some of the reason these people wanted people to keep the law was so that they could identify socially so they could avoid offense that came from the cross. I don't know. I think that's a little bit compelling. Obviously, I think centrally, a lot of what you've got is right, though. There, I've never heard that idea, but I, I like it. I, think, um, I, I could see where yeah. it would be true. Yeah. Um, you know, that's interesting when he talks about the offense of the cross. He talks about that a lot in Galatians. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as Paul talks about, I don't don't know the exact verse or verbiage, but basically he's saying, Hey, if I was preaching the law, then, then my persecution goes away. Exactly. Um, I've always related that more to the Jewish persecution than sure. I have Roman, sure. but there's, the, it could be, you know, trickle down effect. Sure. Yeah. I, like I say, I'm not necessarily tied to that idea, but I do think it answers some questions in some places because there's compelling because there's a few head scratchers in there, you know, in Galatians where it's like, okay, what's going on here? And to me, it, it sort of, Helps answer a few of them, but I don't think there's a need to be dogmatic about that sort of sort of reading. Yeah. So what you're saying is that there's there's secular evidence suggesting that there was a massive shift from whenever they were just Jews. Okay, they're okay in the Roman culture because they're they're doing enough to coincide with what we like. Versus now that they're Christians, it's like mm, no, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like okay, you basically there's this expectation of the imperial cult where they worship Caesar, mm-hmm. um, that all Romans should do this, and people who are ethnically Jewish they kind of have a little bit of an exemption. But now we've got people who are not ethnically Jewish trying to claim that exemption, and it's sort of getting out from under it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember I remember actually reading that in some in some secular accounts. Uh, yeah, there's a Roman historian who's not a contemporary of Paul, but the generation right after Paul, um, who has some some historical writings, right after um, was it Claudius that expels the Jews from Rome? Mm-hmm. So right around that time, uh, he's or right after that time, he's writing about that being just a generation after, saying that there were Jews in Rome uh, worshiping someone named Christus mm, is, yeah. is is the word that's used there, and it's like the stark contrast of from there behind Jews are 
exempt from military service. They're exempt from certain taxes, exempt from certain participation in Roman religious rites. And then all of a sudden, the word Christus is there in the in the historical account of the 12 Caesars. And it's like after that, there's not a nice word about the Jews. It's like mm. it's bad mm. after that. Interesting. It's like just a, but I just remember reading that and how it kind of coincides with what you're talking about. But most difficult to understand passage, Jordan. Oh, uh, actually, I, I think uh, Jason actually solved it for me. Uh, it was the <laughs> well, it was the go. Galatians three one where he's talking about the mediator with the God is one deal. I thought you gave a really compelling answer on oh, that. Oh, thanks. No, no I, really, I thought it was really good. I um, I'm still not a hundred percent sure on that, but it's. I talked to I can't tell you how many people because I would agree that's the most that's the most difficult passage. Yeah. Um, Before I, we get in, do you mind if we like read it real yeah, quick? Just read to, it. Yeah, it's great. Okay, Go so uh, Galatians three nineteen and twenty. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed co- should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hands of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. And really, verse twenty is the one that is like. Everyone, nobody really has a problem or any contention. There's no like doctrine that's built out of it, but everybody's kind of just scratching their heads, I think. Um, sorry. And you were saying how you did some research on this. You did more work than I did. I well, think. I, I talked to, so I've got a few guys in Emerald that are my kind of go-to guys that that's I cool. discuss things with. And I, you know, I went to three or four different guys and said, what do y'all think this means? And we, we looked at it and like, well, I don't really know. And I went home that night and looked at like four or five different commentaries one of the commentaries said this is the most difficult passage in the New Testament, not just in the book of Galatians, yeah. but in the whole New Testament. Uh, one commentary just flat out just skipped the verse. Yeah. Uh, Cowards. And didn't deal with it. Coward, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one guy said, well, it could mean this, it could mean that, and it doesn't really matter. And yeah. so I was like, I do not want to get in the pulpit <laughs> and say any of those things. Yeah. You know, people are going to know if I skip the verse. People are going to know if I if I try to get around it. And so. Yeah. I know one, one commentary I read, basically, he said, um, no one's given a satisfactory answer. And the only satisfactory answers you read is basically to rewrite the passage. <laughs> and uh, yeah. But so you're. So your take was that he's going back to the, because like contextually he's talking about the superiority of of Christianity to the law of Moses, right? Like that's what he means, right? And then how exactly did you did you work this? Could you run that for me? Yeah, I can, and it's been a while, but um, yeah. So the context, what is he talking about? He's talking about the law, and what is the law for in relation to the gospel? What was the point of the law? How does it work into all this? But the fact that the gospel is superior to the law. Uh, of Moses and when thinking about a mediator, I mean, obviously Moses was the mediator of the mm-hmm. old law um, and it was put in place. God talks to Moses. You say, go, you go tell the people this and the people say, okay, tell God we'll do this. And he was in the middle. The, the promise is another thing that's contextually important mm-hmm. there. God made a promise to Abraham. Yep. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless all nations of the earth through your seed. He doesn't, there's no mediator there. Yep. And you know, when God makes that covenant with Abraham, and I don't have the exact passage in Genesis right now, I probably should have had that ready. Um, what would happen a lot of times is when you made that kind of covenant, you would take these animals and divide them into, and both people, both members of that covenant would walk between those animals mm-hmm. as yeah. basically as a signal of, if I break this covenant, this happens to me. Yeah. I get torn in two, basically. God passed through the animals, but he caused Moses or Abraham to fall asleep. 
Abraham didn't pass through, which to me is, is it's a, it's a signal or a sign from God of this is kind of a one-sided promise here. Yeah, I agree. I've promised that this will happen and it's going to happen. And Abraham, really what you do, not that it doesn't matter necessarily, you know, the things that happen later oh. with Isaac and all that, but God made the promise. And once he did that, it, Christ was going to come no matter Amen. what Abraham did. Exactly. Do, and I, do you think that that's, a, not to interrupt, but do you think that's a parallel to what you talk about in Galatians with uh, our service to God post-salvation being a litmus test of the gratefulness for that salvation? Like, as you just said, you know, Abraham, it doesn't necessarily matter. Like, it matters, yeah. but it's not contingent upon you. Maybe there's there might be a, a link there, but what I'm specifically getting at here is, as much as God made the promise to Abraham, he made the same kind of promise to David. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. and said, David, it's going to come through your, through your line now. You know, your son being, meaning his seed will, will inherit your throne. And, you know, David did some pretty sorry things yeah. after that was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this but, is in contrast to like a, like in, um, in, in Deuteronomy with the, the covenant curses that are given to Israel. Cause he basically mm-hmm. says, if you don't keep this covenant, here's all the bad things that are going to happen. God doesn't give a contingency when he's blessing Abraham to say, I will bless you if you blank. And if your descendants blank, God makes this promise. And there, um, I think he quoted Romans where it talks about how he couldn't swear by any greater. So he swear by himself. And I think that's sort of what's getting out there with the God is one idea. And I think mm-hmm. there's a, I, I think, I think there's something about it, like a, a Trinitarian prefiguration going on here about the father's inner counsel within himself uh, or about God's inner counsel within himself as father, son, and spirit. And then mm-hmm. because of these three persons, there can be a promise and a witness and a mediator, um, but still one God. I, right. I think that's probably in the right direction. I think that was really helpful. Right. I've just actually just dealt with that, with that concept in Ephesians as well. Sure. Um, you know, the counsel of his will is what the Ephesians refers to. Sure. And the good pleasure of his will. And how does that work? You know, well, there's nobody wiser than God. Mm-hmm. So who's God going to take counsel with? Well, himself. And obviously, can you tie that into the the Godhead? You know, sure. philosophy, I think so. Yeah. But, you know, he doesn't go into detail there. He just says God takes counsel with himself. Sure. So that's that's the best way. And I don't feel like you have to rewrite it verse 20 to to get there i don't think so either i really do think he's talking about he's contrasting the law and the promise that's contextual and i think he's saying the law came with a mediator and the promise did not come with a mediator and i think you're 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 reckoning about um essentially god walking through with himself i i I think that i think that answers it even if we're not totally satisfied with every single i I would never be completely dogmatic about it no Um, but just partially dogmatic well, the context to me, I don't know. I don't know how you get anywhere else. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I'm, I'm, really I'm open to ideas. Yeah. That was my most difficult verse, but y'all helped me understand it. So now it's my easiest verse. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most difficult verse to live? Difficult verse or passage to live? Hmm. Who wants to jump on that one first? I mean, I think I would probably go back to Galatians 2 and 20. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's hard. That is. I mean, what he's saying there is your life is just flat out dedicated to to the gospel, to Christ. And, you know, we just fail at it too many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I, I think that's in some sense, that's like, as we've kind of talked about, that's sort of the uniting passage that we've kind of set our minds on. Yeah. Um, and so 
whenever you fail, like you're kind of failing at that one. So it kind of catches everything. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, when I, I talked about this a little bit in one of my sermons, I think the, the part two where I actually talked about being crucified with Christ, but you know, as Paul is, as confronting Peter, there's all kinds of things he could have confronted him with. He could have said, Hey Peter, you're being really, uh, you're being a racist mm. or you're being inhospitable or, or just being a jerk. But he said, you're not in step with the truth of the gospel. Yeah. And that's where it all kind of comes back to. And I think, you know, sin in our life always comes back to the fact that we're just not in step with the truth of the gospel. It mm. means we want that yeah. sin at that time more than we want Jesus. Wow. Yeah. I, and I think that's, that's, that's really helpful to think about because in that case, I think what sort of what Paul's saying there is like, you've, you've misunderstood what this is really about at its core. And like at the core, in some sense, it's about the blessing of all nations going out through the family of Abraham in Christ, right? Like that's what this is about, is about all people um, being able to be brought into fellowship with it and accepting that not on the basis of cultural grounds, but on the basis of faith in Christ. And I think there's something there as, as I think about it, um, as, that, as that propels forward into my life, is just about like what are the lies that I believe, you know, like what have I missed um, because in some sense, every sin is a lie that we tell ourselves or Satan tells ourselves where the gospel is ultimately like the most true thing in the universe. Like that is absolutely sure. You talked about that as maybe chapter one or chapter two about like the surety of the gospel. Like that's the thing you can hold on to and everything else kind of branches off that. Right. Um, and so in some sense, every sin is a, is a misunderstanding, um, or a deception where we believe a lie, um, that's not the gospel. And I think that's a really helpful way to frame things. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would love to say that I find difficulty with another verse more than that one, but that's kind of like, if you say you struggle with something more than that one, you're kind of in effect saying, I've got that one down a little bit better than you. And it's like, I don't want to say that. So I'll just say <laughs> another, another one that I struggle with sure. is, is not being weary and well-doing. Mm -hmm. that, that's a big one because even though, I mean, me and Jordan were talking about this this morning, but I, I, I love fellowship. I really do. I love fellowship. I love having people in my home, but like anything else, I, I do grow weary in it from time to time. Uh, not necessarily because I may be I may be suffering from uh, uh, fellowship fatigue, sure. But maybe there's some some instances of man, why I maybe get a little bit self righteous. Why isn't anybody else doing this? I maybe get a little bit short sighted in things that I'm doing, and then I forget that other people are doing this and I get a little short-sighted in my, in my well-doing and that causes me to be weary. And, and then that kind of ties back to my identity or my clothing, not being just Christ. My clothing is now I'm the fellowship person sure. or I'm the, this person. Yeah. And it's like, it, it becomes this weird, this weird little intersection of something that's righteous. That's good. That has now become my clothing yeah. that I identify as. Come and it's, on, and yes, it's tied to Christ, but by itself, it's not Christ. Yeah, no, that's where it gets really insidious because we can yeah. like at these half truths. Oh yeah, and a lot of times that's really. I'd rather have a full lie than a half truth. <laughs> I mean, just to be deceived by because yeah. it's like it's easier to to yeah. figure it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just wanted to throw that one in there because I didn't want people to think that I just had Galatians two twenty down. No, you know? no, yeah. That's, <laughs> but that's a, that's definitely a. a if you do, send us an time. email because we we really need to know how yeah. you how you do it. Sure. Passages that surprised you the most, Jason. Boy, I don't know if I'm ready to answer that. <laughs> I can I can jump on mine. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, 
to me, the passage that surprised me that I was not ready for that was just so rich was Galatians 4. Hey, Jordan, you want to put the mic a little bit closer to you? I can. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. So Galatians 4, um, basically like 4 through 7, like that was the passage that like I was aware of, but I just, until I read it, I wasn't, and really studied it, like I was not ready for how how rich that is. And I guess really one through seven about how you've got this heir that as long as he's a child, it's a different slave and that was master of all. Um, I'll just read the whole thing, but as under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father, even so when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman under the law to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, father, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through, or an heir of God through Christ. Um, yeah, this was a really powerful passage for me. I guess just about, um, like that unity with Christ and that identification with Christ. I thought was really, really special. That, um, like, just how much God looks at us and sees His Son. I suppose, because um, that's the idea there about how. Um, cause he goes on to this, like in, in Romans chapter eight about the, the spirit crying with our spirit. And I think this is sort of the, 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 the prototype of this idea, um, that the spirit of God cries out, Abba father. And so the father hears the cry of the spirit of his son from within us. And so he sees us as his children. And to me, that's just a really powerful idea, um, that all the love that God has, uh, as the father for the son before the foundation of the world. Like he just maps that onto us out of his generosity. Um, and that was just really rich to me. That it really is. just like spoke to me in a way that I, I didn't expect, I guess. It is. There's a, there's a connection there too, just because it's on my mind. Sure. I've, I've been in the book of Ephesians and, you know, he, obviously the first, you know, 14 verses of sure. Ephesians one, that beautiful, look at all these blessings we have. Yeah. And then Paul's prayer after that, you yes. know, of I want you to really get this and understand yeah. it. And and then in chapter two, talks about us making us alive. And it's not just he makes us alive. He raises us with Christ yeah. and seats us with Christ, exalts us with Christ. Yeah. And that that's that mapping that you're talking about. He's mapping what Christ did onto us. And it's a, it's a beautiful, that to me, I don't want to get off on Ephesians, but. But it, uh, it's just what's in my head it's, right now. It's open mic night at the Lindgren house. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's great. You know, I think if you had to hold my feet to the fire on in terms of a, a passage that surprised me, I would have to go back to the end of Galatians 3, talking about being baptized into Christ Man. and put it on Christ. You know, just going back, because I didn't expect, I expected that to kind of just be a softball. Yeah. Because I was just so raised on you know, using that verse to talk about the essential nature of baptism, which is sure. fine to use it for that. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't expect to find a whole lot of deep stuff there yeah. really. And that's where, like I said, I dedicated a whole sermon basically to those, those three or four verses. Yeah. And it, I found a lot there. So, yeah. well, I, yeah. And I think just to, just to comment on that a little bit is that, um, you know, like we've got to be careful that we don't bring our, our like 20th and 21st century conflicts to this text. Right. Cause the conflict there is not about, um, like the necessity of baptism, right? That he just presumes the necessity of baptism, Mm -hmm. which to me actually makes a stronger case that he's not arguing for, you must be baptized. He's saying 
baptism is that operative cause mm-hmm. um, that causes you to, to have all these blessings through faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, I think we can really miss that um, because when we read it with our questions in mind, we can miss some of the richness of what's there um, because it's all about that blessing of that being united with Christ. That's really, really yeah. special. Yeah. I like that. Don't don't let your don't let your first century problems. Uh, what do you say? Don't put your first century problems in the text, but maybe let the text come to your first century problems. Twenty uh, first century problems, yeah. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I, I keep thinking we're in the first century. Yeah, the first century problem was Jew and Gentile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The twenty first century problem is you know one of them that we deal with obviously sure. is the essential nature of baptism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I think too. Okay, all right. Well, I'll let you do. I'll give you the, the freedom to do this post editing, but. <laughs> I think there's a concern here. Like, and I've just got to be really, really strong in the mirror about this, that like that I don't allow baptism to become a form of um, like identification and pride above other things because baptism is essential. Amen. (laughs) Like this is clear from that text, but like I've been in places like I I was growing up. I almost like thought faith was a bad thing because baptism was so central and that's important. Like once again, don't get me wrong, not, not here to deny that, but here, faith is the thing, and baptism is important with that. Yeah, right. Um, but, like, I've got to be careful that I don't have an arrogance to where I promote basically that form of social capital um, over over faithfulness to Christ, right? And that doesn't yeah. mean that I can neglect that as important, but, um, like, I'm, I've known of people that have gotten baptized so people get off their back, and yeah. their life didn't change at all. Right. Yeah. It was just they participated in – that was treated as a social ritual and a social custom to participate in. Um, absent of faith. And, and I think that we've got to be careful there. Um, Dude, so amen. anyway, oh, there's my, uh, no. you're going to have to fight my edgy, me. my edgy idea. <laughs> you're going to have to fight me to edit that out. Okay, Sorry. That's fine. That's too good. No, I, I, I agree a hundred percent with that. Um, you know, that's, you know, all the scriptures we use to talk about the essential nature of baptism, it's really not for the most part, it's not the, the main thrust of whatever that passage is. Sure. I mean, Romans six, you know, being baptized into Christ and mm-hmm. raised to walk in newness of life. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's not arguing you've got to be baptized. He's, this is what should have happened when you were baptized. Right. Yeah. You're putting away the old man. He's dead. Now you're living. You're no longer under bondage to sin. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they just took it for granted back then. Yeah. And I think, I think, yeah. And, and obviously as it applies to the question of baptism and its importance, like, I mean, he says, for you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many as you've been baptized into Christ to put on Christ. So in, in his mind there, the operative cause that's making you a son of God by faith is participating in baptism where you're identified with Christ, right? So obviously that I think it implies the necessity of baptism, but that's not what he's teaching there. And that's just exactly. two different things, right? Exactly. And I think I've got to be really careful about what is this teaching versus what are the implications of it? Um, and, and just to be honest about that, I think is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the whole... Uh, y'all both got your uh, unexpected passages, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I just want to make so. sure I wasn't. But t- to me, it's the it's the sonship thing. It's it's the whole concept yeah. of sonship. Uh, because I was not expecting it to make as much of an impact on me as it did the concept of sonship. And I love the way that you took it, Jason. Um, talking about you know you, you you went in by saying you know ladies don't be offended. Mm. This is what sonship is. It has nothing to do necessarily with gender. Yes, it's tied to gender because of the time, but it's talking about the firstborn and what they would get, their yeah. inheritance and all that. And and I in my mind I started to run through um through an analogy that would help me understand it through modern context. And I thought of this where it's 
as if somebody walks into a home who does not belong to that family and says, hey, um, I would like to receive your inheritance that you're going to give to your children, um, but I'm not going to go through the adoption process. I'm not going to do the things necessary to be a part of this family, but I'm still going to expect what is owed to the firstborn child. That's as ludicrous as thinking that you can receive the blessings of God without going through the process of, of the godly adoption. And it's like, it's just yeah. not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and I think to, to elaborate on that, right? Like sometimes we do this where um, we want the inheritance that comes after death, mm-hmm. um, but we don't necessarily want the blessing of family in the here and now. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of what you're talking about, like the gospel is like it's an obedience thing. It's a continual thing and it carries us into the into the age to come. Um, like. There's just so many blessings to participate in. Like if I went in and, and, and demanded that inheritance, right? And it's yeah. like, okay, give this to me. Um, like, and those people were loving enough to give it to me. They'd probably be loving enough to actually be my family <laughs> and like to care for yeah. me. And I think that... We don't want that. That's 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 diving head in. Yeah, exactly. We're, uh, I mean, you quoted Ephesians, so now it's free game. Um, but he talks about like coming to know the riches of his grace. Yes. And like we just don't get how rich the grace of Christ mm-hmm. is, right? Like God did not spare his only son. And yet like we just, uh, we, we run to other things and are too easily satisfied yeah. to quote a yeah. famous the, yeah. guy. Yeah. That, that idea of sonship is really, it's really powerful when you yeah. really think about it. because. Yeah. Um, something that I've been kind of coming back to a lot lately in, in my sermons and Ephesians as well is, you know, God didn't just forgive us. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's, that's the thing. It's like we and listen, the forgiveness of sins. That's all part of that whole yep. list in Ephesians yep. chapter one. Mm-hmm. It's Amen. it's real. It's there. Yep. But he didn't just do that. Yes. He didn't just say, OK, I forgive you. He said, no, I'm going to make you my child. Mm-hmm. And that and, there's and a I'm lot comes with that blessing after blessing yeah. after blessing upon you. Yeah. Yeah. If I can get edgy with that again for a second. There, <laughs> yeah. Like, are you ever in, not edgy? Well, I try. <laughs> I told myself I wasn't going to be, but here I am being edgy is that in some sense, forgiveness of sins is, is the door into that. Right. And it's like what God wants is for us to dwell as his family and in his kingdom and as his children, all these things. And forgiveness of sins is the means to that end. It's, um, I want, to, I want to be careful, but it's not the only blessing there. It's not the ultimate blessing is dwelling with God as his people. Exactly. And forgiveness of sins is a great blessing that allows us to obtain that. Um, but it's it's uh, it's it's in some sense, it's like the wrapping paper. If you want to think about it that yeah, way. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Yeah. I don't think that's edgy. Oh, great. <laughs> that's, edgy that, me. That, that's pretty smooth. Great. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting with the richness of his grace right now in a way the blessings of the family I of feel god that, yeah. brotherhood sure i mean that's the riches of his grace we, we read that that's the specific verse you quoted right jordan yeah that's that. ephesians 1 yeah. maybe 17 or 18 maybe yeah that can see that that phrase uh, again in chapter two or three really the nice. riches it's it's the riches of the riches inheritance the, the unsearchable yeah. riches of christ yeah. as well oh yeah. yeah no riches yeah. is big there so yeah. like yeah. Sorry, I got to stop before we go into Ephesians no. more, but just like yeah. the superlative language there, exceeding. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. It's really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But that can just seem like such an abstract concept, like the, the riches of his grace. It's like, okay, that's that's there. Like that's heaven. Yeah, that's cool. So, well, so I got that going for me. Yeah, yeah, I got that going for me. But we forget that like we're we're sitting next to the richness yeah. often. Wow. Like, we, we sit next. Wow. It's, it's kind of like the C.S. Lewis quote, like you have never spoken to a normal person. You have dined with immortals. You have had coffee with, 
you know, people who are going to live on forever and ever. And it's like, I'm, I'm sitting next to the richness of his grace. Wow. At every opportunity that I have when, when, when my doors are darkened by brethren. So, and what, and like, just to, to pull it back to Galatians a little bit about it, how we're one in Christ through his sacrifice, right? And that mm-hmm. God's grace has been lavished upon each and every one of us and that grace amongst each other. Uh, is there and so if we doubt the richness of God's grace like let's look across the 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 church room uh, yeah. and see and just see the examples of of the beauty of God's love yeah. like that's really touching to me I'm, I'm thank you guys for that absolutely yeah man great questions Jordan I really appreciate that list yeah okay. those first those first six questions came from came from Jordan by the way check out his podcast uh, 15 minutes and a big idea he's covered Galatians in the past already so if you want a deep dive in Galatians I would definitely check that out also uh, Jason's sermons on Galatians from the Amarillo Church of Christ podcast six sermons on the whole book um, not necessarily all tied to the six chapters some of them overlap into different things but a great bird's eye view versus a scalpel view put them together Uh, a great opportunity to learn more yeah i'd highly recommend what jason said i think it's really 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 good i uh i think it's a a great way to get started on it mine is perhaps uh belaboring at some point but i think (laughs) i think what his is really excellent i really think it's a great great teaching that the church needs trying to figure out what the word belaboring means is belaboring to me oh okay (laughs) (laughs) so the the nickname Romans light or Romans for dummies, you know, we asked this question or we talked about this question last time, me and Jason on the failed podcast where the audio just got trashed. Um, but I, I no longer, I, I no longer can say Romans light. Uh, we talked about this early and just John back and forth. It's, it's not as, it's not as elementary as I thought it was Galatians. It's, it's not like mm-hmm. I, I use the phrase, it's an undergrad as opposed to Romans being your doctorate. And the whole thing, and not to say that it's above anybody understanding. I believe anybody with with brain cells can understand what what's going on there. But it's it's much deeper than I ever gave it credit for. Mm-hmm. The concepts, the when you got into the Hagar and Ishmael and mm-hmm. and that stuff, like yeah, that, the allegory of that was astonishing. Right. So, like, I mean, other than just leaving that open ended to talk about how deep Galatians can really be. I mean, look, look at how deep it is. We're getting into Ephesians because of Galatians. We're getting right. into, I mean, and, and there's the concept of it being a hyperlinked document that just is the, the web is, is unsearchable, but go ahead, Jordan. Yeah. I was going to kind of go that direction. So I, I don't prefer to think of Galatians or I don't prefer to think of Galatians as Romans light. I prefer to think of Romans as uh, Galatians elaborated on or extended edition mm-hmm. um, because extended edition. I like that. Yeah. Well, and director's I, cut. Yeah, there you go. And I, and I think that really like to me, Galatians, I think it, it is one of Paul's first letters. I think I'm pretty compelled by that idea. And it's just got its tendrils in so many places. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Romans is a huge elaboration, a lot of what's going on in Ephesians. But like a lot of those key ideas end up in, a, or sorry, uh, Romans is an elaboration of Galatians. And a lot of those ideas end up from Galatians in Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians. And uh, I haven't so much tracked this in the pastorals, but uh, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, things like this. Like it's, it's all through there. And so I think, mm-hmm. um, I think there's a great blessing uh, in Galatians as sort of a a first intro as a new testament epistle because like yeah. it's not like if you can figure out galatians you've got everything but i i do like to have as i think about like um like the linear progression that's helpful uh is to get once you get to galatians you got to do a lot of things um and it's really a, a a place that i think for most people is an achievable step in bible study but i think it unlocks the door to a lot of places agreed 
I found myself, um, and I like, I like what you're saying there in terms of Romans being an elaboration because I found myself going to Romans every yeah. sermon yeah. To, to not to just restate something I've already stated, but to kind of expand on it. Yeah. And, um, and every, I think every sermon I, I did that, I went to Romans to, and it worked out well because uh, our brother Danny Hughes in Amarillo was going through yeah. a series on Romans sure. around the same time. We overlapped a little bit. And so a lot of that was fresh in my mind too. And so that really helped me to, to make some of those connections. But um, yeah, and I think I referred to it as the abridged version of Romans, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, which, you know, is probably not the greatest description, but yeah. I did just, just because it's shorter, I think is, the only, yeah, you know, sure. six chapters versus 16. Yeah. Um, I think is the only reason we kind of make that. And, and Romans deals with other things yeah. as well. Yeah, um, the biggest thing I would say there is the difference is that Romans has a lot more to do with idolatry, I think. Uh, and like, I, th- I think I think Romans sort of smashes together the the, the Judaizing context with the with the Gentile context because I don't think the Gentile context gets as much airplay in Galatians. You've got a little bit there in the middle of four about um, you know uh, serving idols and you now are known by God. So there's a little bit of that, but like Romans chapter one obviously is a pretty big, uh, pretty big deal on that. Anyway, mm-hmm. sorry about that. No, no, I completely agree. Yeah. I, I agree. And um, it, it just teaches me the, the biggest thing that I that I gathered from my studies of Galatians that I can apply to other books is to never discount passages that are, quote unquote, just about the gospel. Sure. Because there's there's so much more underneath yeah. it. There's what well, me and Jordan were talking about, you know, earlier or last actually last night, the, the concept of of Christ. And just Christ being a part of your life and Christ being the focus of it. And let's, you know, the way to your, the, the way to your matters, the things of theological nature, those are fun to talk about, but let's make sure that we're emulating Christ and let's make sure that that's what we've put on and that's what we're actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, developing a natural barometer for the truth. Uh, this is something I thought about um, as I thought about the, the way that the Jews went from, or the way that the, the Galatians went from being baptized into Christ and being, being faithful. And then just all of a sudden abandoning that and going to something that's like you said, Jason, let's, let's go see what it was like to be under bondage. Let's, mm-hmm. let's see what that's like. And, and and we read that in hindsight and think, how, how could you do that? But then we think about our own skewed barometers for truth and how we often get, you know, sidetracked from obeying the simplicity that's in Christ by shiny things. True. So uh, reading Galatians has helped me, think more about my barometer for truth and my barometer for things that are right. So in your studies of Galatians, how do you think it helped you develop a greater barometer for truth? I mean, we're all pretty well grounded at this point in life, but I mean, there's always room for improvement. I hate to keep coming back to the same concept, um, but the centrality of the gospel Amen. in your yeah. life yep. is to me is where it all, you know, if you're getting into something, you're like, okay, is this really does this really fit in with Christianity or Mm -hmm. my life should be It's like, well, how does it relate to the gospel? Is it, is it in step with the truth of the gospel? Yeah. Whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, you know, we have consciences. We know those consciences can become seared. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that we can deceive ourselves into thinking that we're okay. Um, but at the end of the day, or am I in step with the truth of the gospel, the centrality of, of how important the gospel is in my life mm-hmm. and realizing that it's not just something that I did 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's something that I continue to do. I continue yeah. to obey the gospel on mm-hmm. a day to day basis. And we yeah. kind of talked about that already, but yeah, uh, 
to me, that's the, the barometer for truth falls into, you know, with Paul in, in the first chapter. If anyone preaches to you another gospel than that which you receive from us, let him be accursed. Mm-hmm. If you're hearing anything that departs, that's, that's askew from mm-hmm. the truth of the gospel, then let's stay away from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I would just to, to echo that, just to immerse ourselves in um, in the importance of Christ and the importance of being united with him through the gospel mm-hmm. and his sacrifice and, and the cross. I mean, one of the things that we haven't touched on yet, but I think is, is just so prevalent throughout Galatians is the cross just comes up again and again and again and again in two and three and four and five and six um, that Paul seems to be just hitting on that. And, and I think he mentions the resurrection maybe once or twice, but generally like the cross is the place where like he makes his stand on, on what's important, at least in this context. And so I think, um, I think resting in that and learning that and knowing that and loving that and, um, just looking at life through that lens of, is this honoring to the sacrifice of Christ? Is this, um, viewing his sacrifice for the whole world? Is this viewing, uh, all those other wonderful things in Galatians three and, and Galatians four. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So the concept of, uh, being made perfect in the spirit, uh, or being saved, saved in the spirit, now being now trying to be made perfect in the flesh. Yeah. To me, that screamed, I was saved, I, I was redeemed, but now all of a sudden I'm trying to perfect myself by everything that I can do in terms of righteousness. So what are some ways that you see yourself constantly falling back into that trouble again and again of I've been, I've been washed and I've been made clean and I have the confidence of salvation, but yet there's this one particular thing that I try to keep doing again and again to give myself greater confidence in doing enough right to feel good about myself. Hmm. I think that's a, a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's truth to it. Yeah. Um, I think one of the ways, you know, I think something that comes to my mind is church attendance. Yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm going to put on my elder hat for a a minute and just say, um, you know, I think every time the doors are open, I'm going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. If if I'm not sick or, or dead, I hope. Um, but, and I'm not saying that church attendance is not important. It is important, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily important for the reasons that a lot of times we have made it important, which is I'm checking the box. Yeah, sure. Uh, when God checks the role, I'm on the list um, for for that Wednesday. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't outrightly wouldn't outrightly call church attendance a fleshly matter, right? But but it can be a way that we can attempt to perfect ourselves in in the flesh. Yeah, in, in terms of you know, just terms of, I think it, it all comes back to relying when we start believing that I'm earning this. Yeah. That's that's when it becomes a problem sure. of, of I've begun in the spirit now, but I'm being perfected in the flesh or, yeah. or whatever, uh, where I start to. And it, and it and it is a slippery slope because mm-hmm. what should the grace of God do? Paul says in Romans, the grace of God, you know, should teach you, mm-hmm. you know, how, you know, do you presume on the riches of God or do you yeah. not understand that his his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to make us different. Yeah. It's supposed to make us do the things that we should we should be doing. Yeah. But when those things, we start to look at those things as now I deserve this. Mm-hmm. That's when it becomes a problem of. Yeah. We become that entitled son. Right. Yeah. And like he says in chapter five, um, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage to you. Mm-hmm. Every man who accepts, accepts circumcision, he is obligated to keep the whole law. You're severed from Christ. 
you who would be justified by the law. Mm-hmm. Do we try to live by the law of Moses? We don't do that. I don't say, oh, well, I'm got, I think I need to live by the law of Moses. But what do I do? I might look at, I might have that self, same self-righteous mm-hmm. attitude of the things that I'm doing now make me worthy of yeah. the gospel. Mm-hmm. Which is completely untrue. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Well, I think too, like with that, we can, we can, there's, right. There's, there's this constant like tension, I think, as we, as we teach people and disciple people, right. Cause there's this need for like clarity and actionable steps that will help you and bless you. And there's also this need to like get them to understand that those things apart from Christ won't make you righteous. Right. And so we'll preach church attendance or coming to Bible studies or fellowship or all those things, which are great things and obviously are wonderful. Um, but in some level, we've got to be careful that we're not just preaching, like, uh, following the social norms, mm-hmm. right? Cause it's really easy to slide right back into that of, um, you know, legislating certain things that, um, they get parroted. And then one generation later, it's like, oh, these are just the things we do. Right. And we've, we've totally lost slip on the point of that. We didn't say that because the Bible says you have to come to fellowship events and you have to go to your Bible study. And this is the exact church attendance. And this is the amount you have to give. And this is all this stuff. We're just trying to be clear to give people something to get their hands on. Right. Um, but we can quickly allow things that are applications of scripture to become, uh, I guess the end in of themselves, I think is something mm-hmm. I've got to struggle with and think yeah. through. I think something that, that as a, you know, just based on my own experience, something that the church can do a better job of, explaining to maybe new Christians is, is to really, really emphasize the whole, the whole idea behind the gospel, not just yeah. the death, burial and resurrection and baptism. Baptism is symbolic of the death, burial and resurrection. I mean, we know that's what it is, sure. but it's so much more. And, you know, I, I don't want to like deviate back into Ephesians. Yeah. But like, I think the first place that every new Christian should, should, should sit down and study is the book of Ephesians. Okay. Really? I mean, before, before James, you think? Before James, I mean, I mean, there's there's hyperlinks to James there. True, uh, yeah. You're going to get to James if you go to Ephesians, especially when we get to Ephesians two. Or you're going to get to Ephesians if you go to Galatians. Apparently, yeah. Well, apparently, but <laughs> the, I mean, Paul spends so much time in those first three chapters, just really drilling into them. Um, this is where it's all at. Yeah. Do you understand the links that God has gone to? Yeah. Um, this mighty work that he's that he's worked in christ when he raised him from the dead and we seated him his right hand above all rule and authority and made him his head over the church yeah and get down to chapter three he talks about god's eternal plan his eternal purpose and how the church is you know we embody god's manifold wisdom yes you know, yes. To the, not just to the people around yes. us but to the, the cosmic uh, the rulers and authority these fallen angels drop moment. So you know yes. and there's there's so much there that mm-hmm. it's like and so when he ends chapter three with that whole now to him who is able to do and all that i mean the whole point of that is hey if y'all get all this everything else falls into place yeah yeah well, I, yeah, and man, you were just like saying the thing that I was going to say next. I was like waiting for you to take a breath and then you like took a breath and said exactly what I was about to say. So I just stopped. Sorry about that. No, it was great. I, yeah, I'm just glad we're thinking the same way. And like you mentioned this whole, you know, the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection and, uh, and, and those facts and the importance of that and how it's, it's, uh, it's more than that is what you said. And I would just maybe even go so far as to say that it's better than that mm-hmm. and it's deeper than that and it's richer than that. Yes. Um, that the the 
that he's given him a name that's above every name not only this age but also in the age to come and that like the age to come is broken into the world in ways that were unexpected that we don't have to wait for the end of time for the blessings of god and the power of the gospel to like put everything together but god is currently in the dispensation of the fullness of times uniting all things in christ and i think that's really good um there's just there's just a lot there in terms of if i can bring it back to your question because otherwise this is the ephesians podcast uh, which i am fighting a lot hey i'm I'm Um, not fighting against it okay that's fine Uh, in terms of the the begun in the spirit and um and um perfected in the flesh deal that i think there's a temptation there not just with you know how do we identify like in our christian service but i think there's a constant temptation to make other parts about us um the most important thing besides the fact that we're a christian so like um you know in my job it's really easy for me in my job to let um intelligence and achievements to like try and put those at the forefront and to be identified by the fact that oh i'm smart or oh i'm intelligent Mm -hmm. or oh i've got this level in this field and it's for me that's like a constant source of like um of of places where i need to grow and continue to think about that that um like just like to preach it myself jordan jesus died for you and that's enough yeah like that's good enough to be important and to have value and to and to see that um because otherwise i look in the flesh for my you know my, my profession or even my work at church quickly right because we can say oh i preach this way i'm important because i preach i'm important because i lead prayers i'm important because mm-hmm. i do podcasts i'm important because i whatever and like we just we get that out of order yeah. and those things are important and those things are good but um we strive to see that value and that fulfillment if i can yeah. use that word um as as of our own merit even if yeah. it's not trying to to perfect and and holify ourselves i think there's other things that can do that so yeah and if we exude that attitude that that's who we are and that that's what gives us our confidence we we run the risk of other people seeing that and thinking that if they're not doing those things or if they're not reaching that level of intelligence or that level of service or whatever, that they're yeah. somehow not good enough. Yeah. And I cast myself as the standard instead of Christ. Exactly. Just like literally idolatry. And we place a stumbling <laughs> block before brethren yeah. like immediately just by just by not giving off the aura that, no, it's not my intelligence. It's Christ. Yeah. It's not my podcast. It's Christ. It's not anything but christ and going back to how paul ends the book of galatians you know Mm -hmm. i'm I'm not going to boast in anything except the cross yeah yeah that's that's a tough one yeah and you know i think about that story that you told about your about your mama uh the whole mama mama, sorry that's okay please please forgive forgive it's fine. <laughs> it, Give you hard time. There, there, there's something about the about the sanctity of a of a grandma's name, like Mamaw, Mamaw, <laughs> Mimus, Mamu, whatever. Right. But anyway, that story with her of of you saying, "Well, you know, we we all hope we can get to heaven." You know, kind of just be bopping along, and she's like, "Well, I don't know about you, but I plan to be there." Right. And the and the you know, I would say the callousness, but like the not the. Not the uh, the mean callousness, but just the the matter of factness yeah. of like that's just yeah. I, I know where I'm going, and right. I can't help but think of how much of a role understanding the uh, the blessings of Christ around us in the body plays into that, mm. and being and being saturated, for sure. lack of a better word, in that uh, because because being saturated in that and living in that every day and letting that become our 
letting Christ become our identity, I think, can help develop that mindset of I know where I'm going. I understand because it's that mindset that pushes us farther away from the concept of am I doing enough? Mm -hmm. You know, these things are not my identity as far as my uh, what gives me confidence. They are a result of my salvation and they are a blessing that I now partake in and my litmus test and, and, and my reasonable service that produces uh, I was about to say produces my confidence. No, it doesn't, but are a part of my confidence that came from Christ. Right. Sure. And I think it's really hard for young people just speaking about me and Jordan here. It's like, there's something about, wait, am I old? <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking You're literally an elder. <laughs> that means just, older person. <laughs> I just had a birthday a couple of days ago. So it's kind of fresh on the mind. Oh, man. That's right. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. You're good. Um, but young people, young people struggle with this. Uh, I, I uttered the phrase a, a while back. It's been two years ago now. I said, I'm not ready to die. And somebody asked me, what do you mean by that? I said, I'm just, there's things that I need to get in order. And, and, we, and we, we, we dissected that phrase, I'm not ready to die. And we found out that I'm, I'm ready to die. Like I feel confident in my salvation. But what I really meant by that was, you know, I have, I have a son. Um, I have a family. I have these things that without me, I don't know how they're going to be. Um, and there's nuances to how we should deal with that from a Christian perspective. But, you know, the struggle that young people have of being confident in their salvation up to the point of being ready to die for Christ, uh, you know, that's something that's very, very foreign to us in, in America. You know, we're not we're not being threatened with our life every day, but but just getting into Galatians, I have worlds more confidence than I did in my salvation. Sure. Just from not from my my knowledge of it, but my understanding of what it means right. to have confidence in Christ. You know, the the idea of confidence or salvation, I think, is another area that just based on what I've seen and heard in my life in the church, that the church has a problem with. Um, I don't think it's as bad as it used to be, but, um, you know, I've, I've witnessed a lot of people who just struggle. You know, I've witnessed people who, you know, they say, well, I didn't take communion today because I just didn't feel like I, I'm worthy of it. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's when you need to do it the most. You know, that's when you, that's when you really need to try to get closer to Christ and and having confidence. You know, we, we swing that pendulum so far away from Calvinistic ideas of of once saved, always saved, you know. Yeah, uh, we're like once saved, forever in doubt. <laughs> right. <laughs> that yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Um, and so we swing that pendulum so far away from, sure, you know, and just because falling from grace is possible doesn't yeah. mean it's probable. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I, you know, it's kind of one of those things like if you're worried about it, you're probably okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know how to put it any clearer than that. Obviously, no, that, we can that go makes to First sense. John and talk about all the verses in First John that talk about our, you know, confidence in our salvation. But, um, you know, I, 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 we should not be, and I don't know how you can uh, read books like Galatians and Ephesians and come away with ideas of, I just, because what happens is when, when you doubt your salvation, you're doubting Christ. Yeah. You're doubting God because God said, this is it. Mm-hmm. You're my family now. Yeah. Do you doubt that? Do you doubt the power of Jesus to save? Do you doubt the power of his blood? Do you doubt the power of the resurrection? Sure. If you doubt your salvation, that's what you're doubting. You're not yeah. doubting yourself. You're not, you're doubting him. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, yeah. You don't think that you're doubting him 
when no, you doubt your salvation. You you're no, too you focused. Don't. You too fo- you're too focused on yourself. Right. And, but but that's because we have the blinders up. Sure. We're, 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 we get tunnel vision on on what it is that we're doubting, right. and, and we in a way we're 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 so we're so focused on on our salvation, and we think that we're being humble. We think that we're being humble, thinking, "Oh man, I just haven't done enough." And it's like, no, we're actually we're actually being about the most prideful sure. in that moment because we are as as self centered as we could ever be in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is what this is one of the reasons I think that reading a book like Galatians for its fullness and its context and all that's going on there is so important because I think there and in that certain book that in modern Bibles is after Galatians, you just like in the first half, uh, to not reference Ephesians, <laughs> um, it's, it's Ephesians. Um, <laughs> you had my head my wheel spinning. I'm like, what yeah. is he talking about? Yeah, it's Ephesians. Uh, like if you read those, like you just get such a grasp on the bigness of God, I think. And like the magnitude of God's plans and that like those include us, but they're not about us. Yeah. And like, I think that that sort of like basically just turning everything inside out and turning it upside down and looking on what God is doing, what Christ is doing, what God has done, what Christ has done. And that he invites us to participate on that, um, frankly, minimizes us uh, in the magnitude of God. And I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's where I'm saying it right now in, in 2022 is I think that's a good thing that when we turn our eyes to the bigness of God and his grace and his power and his promise keeping and his faithfulness and all those things, like to me that gives confidence mm-hmm. um, in a lot of wonderful ways. Cause I think, well, this is a, maybe a bit of tangential, but I think there's this, this tendency to like, when you get to Galatians or, or Ephesians, like the, the first half and really, really for Galatians, it's like the first two thirds is really thick. Um, and there's all these old Testament references. You just got to run down and stuff like that. And you're like, let's just skip to the good stuff. <laughs> and um and i think that um i mean i think it's like never i think it's like skipping to dessert mm-hmm. you know it's it's tasty but you're gonna be malnourished after a little while yeah no doubt you know spiritual malnourishment i talked about that in my most recent sermon um you know ephesians 4 1 is sure paul therefore, saying hey therefore this is how you live as a christian sure like why didn't you just start with that yeah because it's it's not just about this is what you do because without Christ, none of this matters or means anything. Sure. I love how you phrase that because a lot of times like there, I've, I've kind of phrased it as, you know, the theology section and the application section. I don't really love that. Um, I love, I like to think of it more as the first half as being, this is why what you're doing is significant. Um, because like when you're, when you're at, you've got somebody over at your house, right. And they've stayed too long over, like overstayed their welcome. And they're not a super great guest or whatever. You're like, why in the world am I doing this? And like, then you've got to look back to rooting yourself and like what Christ has done and like the grace of God that's poured out and you're a conduit for that grace. Like then you can recenter yourself really quickly. But if all you know is Galatians 6, 10, which is, well, I guess I have to not be weary and well doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you haven't grounded that in, in the beauty of what God has done. I think, I think we can grow weary and well doing. I think yeah. anyway, that's great. That's great. Practical application. I had thought about that. That gives me, that gives me more to think about with growing weary and well doing. There you go. Yeah, I get I get so short sighted on the Old Testament heroes when it comes to what they did, and I forget that they were heroes of faith too. I think of Old Testament as being works, and New Testament being faith. Like I, I put those in those boxes all too often, and and I forget you know when we're specifically talking about Galatians here with Abraham and how he's tied to so much faith. 
and the faith that he had, the faith that, that Noah had, the faith that Moses had, the faith that Joshua had, David had, on and on. And another thing that Galatians gave me a greater appreciation for was the the concept of, of the faith that they had in the Old Testament and how I can learn a lot about faith studying Old Testament characters, not just works, not just obedience from Old Testament characters. So I don't know if that's something that y'all picked up on reading through it, but that's something that helped me gain a greater appreciation for, for Old Testament heroes. To me, that's very clearly the thrust of chapter three, yeah. you know, when he's, he's going back to Abraham specifically to show them that, Hey, this idea of faith, it's not anything new. Yeah. It's been around yeah. since Abraham. This is, yeah, this is the thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I really like that formulation. And like, there's this sense in which like, um, a lot of these quote unquote heroes of faith, they just have like one or two moments where they trusted God. And a lot of times their legacy is really mixed because yeah. you get Abraham trusted God uh, there in, in like Genesis 12 and 15. But then immediately they go to Egypt instead of going where he told him to. Yeah. And he, there's the whole wife with the sister thing. And then mm. later they try to take the promises on themselves. Like so from I think is it right after Genesis 15? Yeah, that's that's Abraham believed God and was counted him for righteousness mm. with the. Yeah. And then uh, and then 16, I think, is. Uh, Sarah and Hagar I think like it's right on the heels of this and like there's just something about um, like when they try to like do the promises of God themselves like this never goes well right yeah. like it ne- whenever they set back and trust and act in faith obviously like with Genesis 22 with Abraham and Isaac obviously but like when they try to like seize this for themselves and their ability to figure out like this never goes well no <laughs> you st- oh go ahead Jason that's okay I was just gonna I think a lot about King David mm. and the, the, I don't know what you want to call it. The clout that Israel as a nation had yeah, because of David. Mm-hmm. Um, and you read, you know, obviously David's early life, especially, you know, man after God's own heart. And, you know, this, this guy was a very faithful guy, did a lot of good things. Um, and then of course, messed up big time with Uriah, Bathsheba, that whole thing. But you read in, you know, book of first Kings, second Kings, you know, God basically says, okay, well, because of your father, David, <laughs> yeah, because of, because of David, yeah. because of David and it's like, man, David, he did some terrible things, yeah. but what did he do? Well, number one, he repented, you know, Psalm yep. 51, yeah. but all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I just think about our faith, you know, and a lot of times I think we, we try to put these quote unquote heroes of faith, yeah. which they are, yeah. but we put them on a pedestal thinking I can never be like Abraham or, or David or <laughs> it's like, you know, God, you know, yeah. and number one, he knows we're human. He knows we're going to mess yeah. up. That's why yeah. we have Christ in the first place. Yeah. But it's, it's like, it's like, let's, let's not put that kind of faith on a pedestal and think it's out sure. of our reach. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like yeah. just to, to, to riff on that a little bit, like a lot of times how, how Abraham and David and Moses, like get brought up later in life is about. Um, I think there's this passage in like Ezekiel about how like I'm gonna I'm gonna throw David in here to fix all this stuff later, and then uh, the Deuteronomy at the end there where Moses talk about like the Lord yourself will raise up a prophet like me, and it's so, like these guys the greatness of their faith is the way in which they prefigure Christ. Like that's mm-hmm. like that's the greatest testament of what they've done is that they were servants of the Lord who showed what the Messiah was going to be like and really like point the spotlight on him. And I think in some ways that sort of takes pressure off of me because. The, the best you can do uh, is to point the spotlight on Jesus. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about the things of, 
the great and mighty deeds. It's about the making Christ known. Yep. And to me, that makes it a whole lot more tractable. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe no. I'm off on that. No, I agree. 100%. I like it. Um, I, I've, I'm sorry. I, I may have missed everything that y'all said because I latched onto something that Jordan said at the beginning there about how, cool. how um, Abraham didn't do what God said, but he just went to Egypt. Yeah. Like to me, that's that like that's the whole that's the whole story on throughout the future of Scripture. It's like everybody, instead of doing what God said to do, they go to Egypt. Whether that's a parallel yeah. to going into captivity, instead of doing what God said, going back into sin, instead of doing what God said, just the the allegory mm. of that concept of of Egypt representing captivity and sin, and the opposite of where God wants you to go or wants you to be. No, this, 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 no, like this literally happens in, in Isaiah where they're like seeking Egypt for political alliances and mm-hmm. God's like, go down there. They're not going to listen to you. They're not yeah. going to like you. They're going to hang out the dry. They're going to be like the middle school boy. that's going to treat you really well. And then they're going to pull your pants down in front of everybody. This isn't going to go well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they still like, just can't get a hold of what God wants yeah. anyway. And that's what happens in Galatians. Like you don't, don't go back into captivity. Yeah. Don't, don't see yeah. what this is like. It's not going to be good. <laughs> right. And God go is well. speaking through Paul. Don't do that. And what do they do? Yeah. They do exactly that. I feel like Paul's the maid. You know, he like walks in, he's like, I just cleaned up this place. Can you keep it clean for 10 minutes? Perhaps. It's like, <laughs> really? I just left here and now everything's in shambles. I saw a meme a while back. I'm going to try to find it real quick while you can okay. edit this out later. But, oh, no, you're good. It really good. relates to that. Yeah, I'm thinking of the Incredibles where, where it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> just, I just cleaned up this place in 10 while, minutes. Yeah. While we're, while we're editing out. While, his, we're, while we're memeing. There, yeah. Um, I do want to circle around to number one. I don't know, maybe at the end or something like that. But yeah, absolutely. If you don't mind, I, I was I had some stuff I wanted to say. Okay, yeah, I accidentally sure. skipped over that one. No, you're good. You're good. Um, I just uh, it might be a good one to end on for sure. Too, since it's kind of a well, you know, since we're on the subject of of Egypt and and uh, going back into captivity, the Jews rejected freedom to go back into Egypt. The Galatians rejected the gospel to go back to the law, um, and we reject Christ to go back into sin. Sure. Is is the parallel that I see the, the you know Old Testament, New Testament, modern day, the the way that I can help relate that to myself and and the common thread that I notice throughout all three of those, not the only common thread, but the but one that I notice is that they are all three completely illogical, and Paul exposes that sure. big time to the Galatians. It's like you 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 give up Christ to go back into into bondage. That's that's dumb. That's like that's like putting all your money in 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 a place that's going to lose it and you know it's going to lose it you're just you're taking this thing of great value and you're just flushing it down the toilet for for no reason um other than hey it sounds cool let's give that a shot and it's it's like when it comes to sin sin just like the clout if you will of being a jew or having a the standing of being a Jew might have the same appeal of, okay, it seems fun in the moment. It seems like it's great, but, but we don't see the captivity behind the sin, just like they didn't see the captivity behind what it meant to be circumcised, what it meant to be a part of the old, what it meant to be held to the entire old law. And and it's like this deceptive nature uh, of sin doesn't tell you what you're getting into by nature. It's not about to tell you the whole, the whole story, but, righteousness has laid it out. God, God and righteousness has laid it out. You know what you're getting into with being a Christian, you know, exactly. Right. But we have this tendency to say, Oh, well, this looks fun. Like, let's just see what happens. Right. <laughs> it's just so illogical. 
But anyway, you seem to have found your I meme. I found what I was looking for. You can edit it out if you don't like it. No, it's good. Uh, th- so there are two kinds of Pauline epistles. First kind is we are heirs through unfathomable grace to an unimaginable glory. And the second is I am as a personal favor begging you sick little freaks to act like normal for five minutes. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, that's, so, that's really right. Just act normal. So I'm begging you, know, you as a person. Ephesians would be the first time. Yeah, and totally. Revelations would be the second time. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> I yeah, I am not. I am not editing that out. That is good stuff. Okay, it's great. Classic. I will. I will send you the uh, the finished product before I post it, so you can make sure you, there's nothing incriminating to I'll, reputations. I'll take a vacation day so I can have time to listen to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're you're gonna need a vacation day. Uh, so before we get to the last question, um, and this is the to me this is the deepest thing in Galatians to, to me personally. Um, the concept of of relating Abraham or Abram and Sarai um, and Hagar and Ishmael um, to what Paul was trying to teach the Galatians. And specifically, the question is the parallel of Abraham and Sarah's plan to add to to add to God's plan by having a child through Hagar um, and our and uh, the Judaizers desire to have people to follow the old law when God set forth a, a different plan. So that's. The scheme between Abram and Sarai caused tension between uh, Hagar and Sarai, um, did not hatch the intentions that were planned. Um, and we see that same conflict arise in our own lives when we add to God's plan. Um, I had a, I'm trying to remember this. Uh, we did a study in Galatians here uh, where I think the point that I made, and correct me on this, Jason, since you've you've done the work on this, but uh specifically what I said was something to the degree of trying to be a Christian and trying to adhere to the old law was like expecting Hagar uh, and Ishmael to inhabit the same camp as Sarah and, and, and Isaac. Like that just was not going to happen in the old Testament. There's no way that that was going to happen because we saw the conflict between those two young boys. So, the, the point that I made as a parallel or as an allegory was that if you expect you to remain a Christian and still remain tied to the old law, that's as crazy as thinking as those two boys could remain in the same camp. What do you think? I, I think that's a good a good comparison to make. Um, one, one thing that was kind of brought out to me as I studied this section of Galatians was Paul isn't necessarily trying to take the story of Sarah and Haggai and everything that Abraham and Sarah, you know, concocted there and, and to, to draw out truths regarding that situation yeah. mm-hmm. because it paint this passage paints Hagar in a pretty negative light. Yeah. yeah. And she was basically sort of an innocent victim. Yeah. In yeah. That situation. A, yeah. He's not pulling moral implications. That's right from that story. Yeah. 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 And so I think the main thing he's doing there is saying, listen, Isaac was the child of promise. Mm-hmm. God said, I promise you're going to have a son. And Ishmael was the result of Abraham trying to help God out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think basically, you know, what he's saying is, listen, this is the situation we've got here now. You know, your your freedom in the gospel is a result of a promise that God made yeah. to Abraham. Uh-huh. These Judaizers and their plan of coming in here and making you be in bondage to the, the old law is them trying to help out and and make things a little bit 
you know, their own way. Yeah. So. Yeah. This is just off the cuff, but just a thought I had, and it's probably wrong, but uh, it's like trying to help God out. You produce Ishmael. What was what was he a representation of Mount Sinai? Mm-hmm. Captivity, uh, bondage. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to help God out, trying to change the plan produces bondage in a way. Right? Yeah. I heard one guy say the only thing we contribute to our salvation is the sin that's needed to save us from. <laughs> and I, I, I think I generally speaking, I think that's uh I think it's probably pretty true. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of that where we just can really, can really wreck the yeah. plans of God yeah. there. And his, his, his point seems to be that, you know, God had planned all along to do a miracle in, yeah. in, in Sarah and Abraham and our salvation is, is a miracle. Yeah. Um, and that we should, we should not neglect that. Yeah. I love how you clean up my analogies. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> Don't be impatient with God's promises. That's probably a good lesson here. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of <laughs> lessons. Yeah. Impatience often leads to captivity. Sure. All right. Circling back to the first question that should have been asked, um, specific benefit of studying Galatians that is afforded to the Christian. And I think this ties a lot back to not overlooking uh, gospel verses as somebody who's a Christian, as somebody who's already got the salvation thing figured out, for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> but talk about the specific blessings that y'all gained from studying Galatians, the ways that it deepened your faith, the ways that it made you feel closer to God, whatever blessings you gleaned out of it. For me, you know, we talked a lot about it in terms of the message of Galatians. And I don't think I need to go back and uh, to steal Jordan's term, belabor, you know, the point on everything that Galatians tries to teach us. Um, for me, what it, what I really gained out of this was a, a perspective on studying scripture that I'd never had before. Yeah. Um, I studied the Bible, you know, my whole life. Uh-huh. Uh, my parents taught it to me. I've studied it myself. But I've I've never really dug into a, a book like I did when I when I did Galatians, and it taught me the importance of a few things. The main thing of which is really understanding the context of everything, yeah, yeah. every verse I'm talking about, um, and not just having a sermon that's what I what I like to call the New Testament greatest hits, yeah. <laughs> Um, which, you know, we know that all the usual, the usual suspects of study yeah. the show thyself and approved and all scriptures given by inspiration of, of God. And, you know, a, a couple of dozen other that you're going to guaranteed to hear one of those verses in every sermon that you hear. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'd really try to do when I did Galatians was not to try to get outside of it too much. Mm-hmm. As sure. I said, invariably I ended up in Romans almost every time, but yeah, it's but, uh, the, the concept I learned that I took away from me, other than, you know, the truths that, that I gleaned from Galatians, which we've yeah. already talked about in great detail, was the the process of, of taking God's word and really what was what was the Holy Spirit through Paul trying to say to the these people in yeah. Galatia? And then how can I take that and make that applicable in my life? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. And I think that any sort of textual study you do like that is going to challenge you in that. And I, the reason I would, I think Galatians is great and I would suggest that is because I think it's really accessible um, because, you know, I, I mean, I sort of game out, you know, someone's a new Christian and they learn to read their Bible and maybe they read their whole New Testament and then they, you know, study like James or something like that. That's pretty simple. And you do some Proverbs. But to me, um, Galatians is pretty accessible 
but it's also going to cause you to have to reach some and you're going to have to grow some mm-hmm. that yeah. it's cause there, cause there's some places in like in Romans and, and even in Ephesians where it's just like, what in the world is going on here with this? Whereas Galatians for the most part is pretty tractable. Um, and you're going to have to get some old Testament context and you're going to have to get some, some acts context and you're gonna have to get some, some gospel context. And so I think that it becomes a place that is really accessible for people who are really starting to get serious about Bible study to do where they can gain some benefit. And it's not just all technical. It's not like you're studying through the old Testament or something like that. It's, it's still helpful and it's still, um, still a blessing. And, um, and, and then to kind of what we, what we hit earlier, how it's really got its tendrils and other books that I think as Paul's going, um, I think he's taking a lot of these ideas and he's employing them in other places and they're getting more developed, like in Romans, especially, but also in like first and second Corinthians, I think he's employing a lot of these ideas. And, and as you talked about the major driving tension and conflict is like, um, you know, we sort of frame it sometimes as, uh, old law versus the new covenant. I just think of it as like, how is God uniting all things in Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, and that mission carries forward to today, but because that's the driving tension of the, of the new Testament, um, Galatians has a lot of the core ideas that I think really, um, give you some, some handholds as you're, as you're putting this together. So that's what I think some of the greatest blessing yeah, is. I agree. And I need a lot of handholding when studying scripture. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> but probably the greatest benefit that I got out of it was not even necessarily a specific concept in Galatians because I've already talked about a lot of those blessings, but something that I'll highlight, it was more or less in preparing for the podcast the first time, uh, but also this time too is studying scripture with the intention of asking more questions mm-hmm. about what's being talked about. I thought that more of, of the knowledge that was being conveyed in Galatians was able to be internalized by me with the, with my own intention being, I want to ask more questions about what's going sure. on here. So that taught me to approach a lot more scripture through that lens. Let me study a book. Let me study a passage. But let me come up with some good questions that are hard-hitting questions that are deeper questions yeah. so that I can get some internalized knowledge about this. Because often when I study scripture on a very superficial level of what is it saying and, and what has it applied to me and just that, I mean, those are good things. I get it. I'm not trying to say that those are unimportant, but if I'm not asking questions for a deeper understanding and wrestling with things, it's not going to, I'm not going to be the, uh, the good ground. It's going to be stony ground for me. That that's, that's the way I make myself the stony ground basically. So that was a, that was a great benefit for me studying it through that lens. Yeah. Well, and I think there's, there's like really two different great ways to do this. Um, where you've got Jason's approach where he takes a really, you know, a little higher level. I would still say, you know, Jason's stuff is pretty deep and some of his stuff is really, really great. Yeah. Um, but then you've got mine, which is a more minute uh, analysis. I, I think both of these things are really helpful. Yeah. I really do. And I don't think that um, just because we kind of approached it with two different um, paradigms, like, I mean, this isn't a contest, right? No. Like we're not, yeah, we're, no. we're on the same team here doing no. two different things. And I think that yeah. all these things are, are a blessing and can really be helpful. Yeah. I really do. And also one of the things I learned was if I could go back, I would probably change the way I do a lot of it. <laughs> like I, I didn't really, when I started it, I didn't really sure. have my feet under me as far yeah. as how am I going to do this? Yeah. And so I, my first sermon was more of a, uh, I, I talked a lot about chapter one, but I also grabbed from other books 
and was making it almost more of a topical. Mm. And I thought, well, maybe I can find different topics in Galatians. Yeah. And then the more I got into it, like, no, I really want to hit this chapter by chapter. And yeah. so I'd probably go back and do things a little bit differently, but, you mm. know, sure. But 20 years or so, maybe I'll get yeah. Galatians and <laughs> learn on the go. You got to make your so. way through the rest, rest of the books of the Bible now. And the lens through which you, or the, the direction that you approached it, Jordan, and yeah. the direction that Jason approaches it. And, uh, not that I have done a deep dive in Galatians, but but my perspective on trying to create an opportunity for conversation, I want to sure. offer a bit of encouragement. If you have opportunities to discuss these kinds of things, this has been one of the most enriching experiences I've ever been a part of just by getting people in a room who have different perspectives sure. on it and to have that discussion go back and forth. That's been invaluable. I mean, it, it's been fun. I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. So if there's an admonition I can give, if there's opportunities to have discussions about books of the Bible, about sure. about passages, take those opportunities and and don't uh, don't discount other perspectives. Don't yeah. discount other methods of, of doing it, because yeah. uh, I think a lot of times we can look at a scalpel method and think, well, that's just a little too meticulous. Or we can look at a bird's eye method and think, ah, oh, you're missing the finer points. Just look for something that you can glean out of either method. Don't, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like, nah, I won't say what it's kind of like, but anyway, you had <laughs> well, a thought. Yeah, no, sure. I was just going to say, I mean, in that, you know, just because, just because we approached it differently, I mean, we're just two, two, two different, two different contexts, you know, you're shepherding a church and like, if you, if you went through, uh, with that kind of fine grain detail, you would have to give like, I don't know, let's see how many hours, like 16 hours, you'd probably have to do like. 15 sermons and you speak like every other month. So you'd be in Galatians for a year and a half. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's just, uh, it's just, you know, yeah. I mean, that's one of the considerations I had. I was sure. Yeah. At most I was once a month is kind of my average. Okay. I was one, but even then, um, yeah, it, it would have taken way too long. Yeah. So. And it's good to move your, your congregations and, you know, yeah. and you're, that's, that's your choice. And I, I think that's totally great. And that, um, we can just love what each other does and, yeah, and celebrate sure. that. And, uh, and this is the, the beauty of, uh, not even really different perspectives as much as it's just like different mindsets and approaches, you know, right. and sort of like different tools, you know, it's, yeah. uh, and I think that's to be celebrated. Yeah. So anyway, wrapping up, speaking of Ephesians, uh, Jordan is making his way through the book of Ephesians right now. If you want to listen to his current progress on, uh, his podcast, 15 Minutes and a Big Idea. And Jason, have you wrapped up your stuff on Ephesians yet? Or are you getting I'm, towards the I've end? I've wrapped up the first half. The first half. Okay. So uh, one through three. One through three. Okay. So on Amarillo's podcast, Ephesians one through three will be there. Um, but it's seven sermons. You, oh, yes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to coming back and doing this again uh, in Ephesians in about a year. <laughs> depending on how long it takes. Sounds I good. may not be done any here. <laughs> it's just good stuff. We, we may anyway. just have to catch you midway through there and just go. see what happens. Yeah, we'll do part one, part two thing. Yeah, exactly. And then we'll, we'll release a theatrical cut of this and then like the four-hour director's cut. There you go. <laughs> but nice. anyway, enjoyed it very much. Love you guys cool. very much. And Same to you. Jordan, will you offer a word of prayer to end our podcast? Sure, let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, we are so blessed by your word and by this conversation and being rich enriched by it lord we pray that jesus would be the most important thing to us and that the message of his um being born as a human and coming to earth and dying and his resurrection his seating at your right hand would be 
um, the most central fact in our lives, Father, that um, your praise for that would be the cry of our hearts, Father, and that everything we live and do and say would be reflective of that fact and bring honor to his great and matchless name. We ask that you would accept this prayer in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, you've reached the end of another conversation here on Scripture In, Scripture Out. But that doesn't mean that the discussion has to stop here. The next time you find yourself in a group of people enjoying fellowship with one another, steer the conversation towards words of life and strive to have the meaningful conversations about the Word of God that can lead to change in your own life and the lives of those that you come into contact with. Thank you so much for joining us in our conversations about the Word of God. If you or anyone you know has a discussion topic that you would like to listen to on this podcast, send us an email at scriptureinout at gmail.com. That's scriptureinout at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the podcast, sharing it with your friends, and leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Tune in next month where we will begin a discussion about the book of Romans as we cover the first three chapters and we explore the themes of sin, law, righteousness, and redemption. Thank you again for joining us in our conversation today. God bless and Godspeed. speed.